So we are on to Christ lesson two. And uh, let's just take a moment to pray and uh, focus our minds and hearts on God. Um, well, I'll pray for uh, Amy's sister tonight as per her request earlier. God, thank you that we can gather around your word. Lord, we thank you that um, you are with us, that you never leave us, you never tire. Um, we thank you that you are um, ever present as we read your word. And God, what, a, what an honor and privilege that is, Lord. You are God Almighty and, and we are just here wanting to be your servants. And we, we thank you for that. So would you unveil what you have for us tonight, God? May you just uh, continue to, to solidify us in your truth and teach us to stand on your promises all the more going forward from tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, <clears throat> so let's just take a bit of time to review a bit of lesson, previous lesson. Um, can anyone remember last week's hook? Who was here? It starts with the. <laughs> the promised. Oh, the promised deliverer has come. Right on. Nicely done, Brett. Yeah. So I'll go over to these. Hang on. Come on. Advanced PowerPoint. Go over to these slides here. Uh, these cover the, the breadth of our lesson from last week. Was oh, that not sharing? No. Oh. Uh, I'm seeing everyone's uh, just, just, a, just a great group here. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> I thought I began sharing earlier. Start share. Is that better? There you go. Okay, weird. It must have, I had to do some finagling. It must have bumped off earlier. So, <clears throat> this is the class we're in. Christ 2, Baptism and Temptation, Established 101. Welcome. <laughs> the, these uh, slides here are the ones that cover last week's lesson. Um, so, the, the hook for last week was the promise deliverer has come, as Brett said, Emmanuel, God with us. Um, I was wondering if anybody would be brave enough to, to do a, just a three-minute recap of going through these pictures. Again, not the stories, like every picture is story, but just kind of the, the key truths um, to, uh, coming forward into this lesson. Anybody want to sort of glance over that? Practice your, your skills? <clears throat> what happened through, through these stories? Well, in the first, uh, in the first slide, I wasn't here last week, but in the first uh, picture, you've got uh, Zechariah and the Holy of Holies, and he's uh, he gets the whatever scared out of him when like, was it Gabriel that showed up then and said uh, what he typically says, uh, "Don't be afraid," <laughs> and I've got some surprising news for you, <laughs> and you're gonna have a you're gonna have a baby after long years without and. I think maybe in the same way that Mary does later, he says it maybe with doubt in his heart. At least that's what uh, uh, kind of deals with next and says you're not going to be able to speak until the boys. So um, here, here's this uh, Jewish man who's been devout all, all these years. He's in the later stage of life, and uh, they've been wanting a child for a long time, and they're, they've, been bar they've been barren. 
and now here's God providing um, a miracle and also uh, a boy who will grow up to be a man to prepare the way for the Messiah. Thanks, Dave. Sure. Anyone else want to tell me what, what these pictures are showing truth-wise coming forward into this lesson? <clears throat> so a couple things about prophecies. You know, something happening there. Um, somebody being true to his word. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, starting from the angel appearing to Mary, there's prophecy fulfilled. A virgin going to be having a baby. Um, and then also then also uh, being the truth of or Joseph then struggling with that too, and God coming and talking to him to say, don't be afraid, you know, this child is from the Holy Spirit, um, but God being his father. That's right. Um, then for the, um, for the, going to the shepherds, showing how God is, um, well, part of an illustration being Jesus would be, you know, the good shepherd, the true shepherd, and also to God going to the lowest of society to announce the coming of the deliverer. Very good, yeah. <clears throat> Is that pass? Or are you going to keep going? <laughs> Sorry. Um. I could, or someone, or someone else would like to keep going. Well, I was just going to say he was born in Bethlehem, and there'd been a prophecy about that. Very good. Yeah. And the, well, the wise men from the east coming, they had they had seen a star in the sky, so that was you know God had told them that there was a deliverer to come. And then again, the prophecy about Bethlehem, and then also showing God's faithfulness when Herod set out to kill Jesus by ordering the death of all babies and or male children, please, under the two years old, that God warned them in a dream for Joseph to escape in order to protect the baby Jesus. Nice. And then we saw some of his uh, talent uh, as being not only fully human, but uh, God as well in the temple where he had a lot of knowledge that the, the leaders of the time were astonished at. What were some of the, um, just, we don't have to mention all of them, but what were some of the, the names, descriptions given to the deliverer that we, we queued in on last week? Let me just give a smattering. Uh, Son of God, I heard. Son of the Most High. High Priest. Prince of Peace. Okay, Prince of Peace. Yeah. God with us. Yeah, the Emmanuel God with us. <clears throat> the one whose kingdom will never end. Yeah, we had Shepherd of Israel, 
Horn of Salvation. Those are some pretty cool ones. The Lord saves. Awesome. Well, good. Good little uh, spring it upon you. Like when we were meeting in person, I would give you guys a bit of leeway or a, 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 um, head time to kind of get in and, and prepare for a bit of a review. But, you know, we've got to be ready in season and out of season. So here's our uh, out of season uh, spring it upon you guys. So um, <clears throat> as you think of it, even even through the week, I encourage you guys to take take that little flip book and just, you know, even devotionally be looking through it and um meditating upon or thinking upon the truths that uh that we're learning and and so that uh as we see these stories they just they they overlap we see the overlap with life more readily <clears throat> so when i get when uh, we jump into our lessons you guys are just like oh yeah this is what i how i saw this this week or whatever so i want to just touch briefly on these three pictures we'll go into them a little bit later as well on the far left we have cain and abel uh Cain not offering a sacrifice that was acceptable or pleasing to the Lord because he's trying to come to God his own way. And on the far right, we have Moses lifting up the serpent in the desert as they were being bitten by the fiery serpents. Um, they were trying to, you know, they were rebelling, they were complaining, they were trying to, in a sense, come to God their own way at that point, and God was giving them this faith lesson. Um, in the middle, we have a picture of a man laying his hand on a, on a lamb as, a, as his substitute, as his the one to... Um, atone for his sins for a time and and that's these kind of three things here faith coming God's way with the other two pictures and a substitute the sacrifice in the middle um, those those two things are really what's going to tie into this lesson so I just wanted to bring that to the forefront of your mind again coming to God God's way by faith uh, that there is a provision that he is going to provide a substitute um, I love how in, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, uh, Paul summarizes the truths that we've been learning thus far. It says, Though he, Jesus, was God, he did not think equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took on the humble position of a slave and was born a human being. I really like it how my father-in-law says it. It really helps stick in your mind. Jesus wasn't a cling-on, you know? <laughs> He didn't cling on to his to his his heavenly throne. He he gave that up, as we started to hear in the previous lesson with Mary, um, that he would be born of Mary and, and was born. Um, you think of how far God went with his pursuit of sinners for us, for the Israelites. It's amazing. I mean, truly, he moved uh, the heavens and earth to save the lost. I mean. You even just think at the beginning with Adam and Eve, he created us in his image, right? I mean, this is just a piece of it, but with a mind to know him, you know, emotions to love him and a will to choose him. He created us in his image. He also made us creative. He made us, um, I mean, just to think of the arts and stuff. God is creative. Um, he graciously pursues his people and that includes us, even though our sin and rebellion, it's this cyclical, continual uh, thing that abounds. He sent prophets to warn people. They wrote the word that we could hold it in our hands and other leaders uh, to point towards God, towards him. He called us back to himself. He called the Israelites back to himself repeatedly. As I said, he gave us his word. Um, he came down, he was born as a human to rescue us, to, to be our substitute. And he uses um, 
as we'll see, we haven't dove into this yet, but when many of us know, he uses the Holy Spirit um, to convict and reveal truth. Um, so he's our one means of fellowship with God. He is our only true hope. We continue to deal with uh, different contrast points that try to vie for God's position. And, uh, and again and again, we just keep coming back to our one true hope, the one answer, God and Jesus Christ. Um, so today's lesson is, is a really powerful one. We've been hearing about the coming deliverer. The king will, will continue to be revealed as Jesus begins his public ministry. And in this lesson, we will see some of the tension between the deep truths that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Um, so this, the stories in, in God's word today range from John, the Baptist, the messenger, who is preaching and baptizing, um, Jesus going, in, going to John and is baptized, and Jesus being tempted by Satan. So that's the scope of where we're going today. Um, so we'll dig into God's word to discover uh, the truths, uh, which will be... Our hook, are you ready for it? Dun, da, da, da. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And a few other truths that will be embedded, not to say that this encapsulates all of it, but uh, there's John the Baptist's message of repentance and, and being baptized. Um, and then John, the bapti- John baptizes Jesus, the Lamb of God as he calls him. And Jesus triumphs over Satan's temptations. <laughs> So that kind of launches us. All right. You want me to take it over here, Brent? I'll, I'll go into part one then. We'll, we'll, we'll start with that first part of uh, John's message. He's the, he's the promised messenger. And so what was this message he had? I mean, God's one message of rescue began way back with Adam and Eve, if you recall that. And it continued all the way through the Old Testament. I mean, he declared that a messenger would come to proclaim his arrival. Um, we, we mentioned the, the story of Zechariah and the angel. And if, in, in Luke uh, 1, 17, the angel said to Zechariah about the, the, his son, it says, And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. And so here's John now as an adult. So let's hear what this message, what, what, what is his message that, he's, that he has. So let's uh, turn to Matthew chapter 3. And if someone could read uh, verses 1 and 2. Matthew chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. In those days, John the Baptist came to the Judean wilderness and began preaching. His message was, repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of, of heaven is near. All right, so simple question here. What was his message? What, what, what was he proclaiming and preaching? Repent and turn. Repent <laughs> and turn, yeah. Have you read and this before? Heaven is near. <laughs> so here's an interesting question. I mean, so what is, when, when he was preaching the kingdom of heaven, um, what what did, what was that about? What what is the kingdom of heaven? It's not really in this passage, so it, it involves a little more thinking, using some other knowledge, other stuff that you might know from scripture. So, or what you know of the nation of Israel. 
what, what would the people be thinking when they heard that message from John? No, they would be would they be thinking of the Messiah and the new kingdom? Although their views may have been slightly skewed, but you know the the new covenant was coming, and that would be the start of the kingdom of heaven. Yeah, that that would I mean some would be thinking that probably. Yeah. They were thinking of uh, military power that would overthrow the Romans. Yeah, some are definitely probably, probably thinking earthly kingdom, and we'll, we'll see that um, throughout the life of Jesus. People were thinking the Messiah was going to be this military ruler, get rid of the Romans. Um, but when you think of the kingdom of heaven, um, what else? Uh, again, just from what you know, or what, what, you, what you understand, the kingdom of heaven could be, there's a range of this. Um, again, as we, as we find in scripture. I mean, it's everything from God's kingdom in heaven, truly, like where he resides and the angels are there. Um, but what else is, is he think? Again, this is in, is in this passage here, but... Um, well, the kingdom of heaven might uh, have the idea of uh, a kingdom ruled by God uh, yeah. and the eternal kingdom. Mm-hmm. Yep. So that, that, there, there's even that projecting into the future there, what, you know, the coming kingdom. Um, but but not necessarily earthly kingdom, um, and we're for here and now. I mean, as, I, as I'm speaking to a group of believers here, uh, as I understand for the most part, that part of it is is that on, on a human level, right now, it's 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 in his people, right? Those that are are, are living out um, uh, what is their, their faith. Yeah, heaven. We have a citizenship in heaven. Yeah. Yeah. So and those that do His will, those that are following His will. So, um, I mean, there's things that we understand, and there's things that the people that were listening to John preaching would have understood about the kingdom of God. Um, and again, it, it has this this range of what when when that's being proclaimed, um, it's not just again. I think someone mentioned, you know, it was Janet I think you mentioned the idea of the of the military, you know, the earthly geopolitical kingdom. Um, but it, in God's word, it's far. Far broader than that. Mm-hmm. So, and what does it mean that it's near? Um, you can put yourselves in, in in that place at that time when John is, is preaching this. The kingdom of heaven is near. Oh, referencing to Jesus Christ, who was born, and that he would soon be um, paying this in death. Mm-hmm. And then there would be the Holy Spirit for those believers. Yeah. Now we know that. Yeah. Um, as we know more of the story. Um, but there would, be, would have been some that, as far as what is what is God all going to do? Because John, I mean, it's um, he quotes in the next verse in, in Matthew uh, in, in verse three, he quotes the Isaiah um, forty. Prophecy. It's a, it's, a, it's a voice of one calling. Uh, in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight in the in the wilderness a highway for God. So he's pointing back. He's trying to help the Israelites to to realize this is part of what God is doing. Again, the Messiah, the Deliverer. Um, again, the one who's going to rescue. Um, and I think what we're, we're going to find as we go through the the life of Jesus in these in these coming lessons that. The, the mix of uh, there's the, the spiritual 
deliverance and deliverer and what, what that really means. And some get that, realize that there's more to it than just this physical, geopolitical king who's going to be there. Um, and th there are some that it, they, they don't get beyond that. They're looking for this earthly king to get rid of the Romans. Um, but there are those that are realizing there's more to it. Um, so, and that's part of this, this voice that's, that's crying in the wilderness, and it's the idea of the kingdom. And uh, so, um, Brent, you want to take it from there? Yeah, for sure. And I was just going to throw out a reference there for the kingdom of God or kingdom of heaven. Daniel, in Daniel 4, 25, 26, it's at the end of 26 there. It's uh, where we kind of get that tie-in when uh, Daniel is talking to Nebuchadnezzar. And he says, like, when you acknowledge my kingdom... Um, these will be restored. And so that's where we get the tie-in of, of, you know, that, that spectrum of kingdom. It's not just heaven. It's not just in your heart, but it's also obedience, adherence, and, and living it out. Um, so we have John was a messenger as he was, pro as was prophesied him to be. And uh, those who heard God, John's message um, would realize as it hit them in the gut that they were totally lost and unable to help themselves. Have we not heard that message before? <laughs> Unable to help yourself, un like helpless, self-helpless. That's what John the Baptist was preaching. Um, and it can tie back even more recently to this story that we just touched on briefly at the beginning of the lesson of the, the Israelites being bitten by the venomous snakes. God needs people to see themselves as, I can't help myself. The Ten Commandments, I can't help myself. Um, so it takes us to our knees and to what we have here rendered down in our faith and repentance chart, it takes us, hopefully, if you're humbled by these, these things that God brings you to the end of yourself with, to a point where you acknowledge that God is holy and we must be just as holy as He is if we're to be accepted by Him. Which, you know, how many of us have followed the Ten Commandments perfectly for three seconds? Not long, right? Um, so we know we can't do it apart from Him. So that's why we need faith and repentance. We need to admit that all our sin is against God and we are helplessly lost. Um, first and foremost, it's against God. Um, we need to reject our way and, and embrace only God's way to make us holy. Remember, God said to Cain, If you do what's right, will you not be accepted? Yet sin is crouching at your door, desires to have you. Um, and so there needs to be a rejection of what our flesh, the path that our flesh is born upon, which is pride, rebellion, sin, and embrace only God's way which is by faith and repentance, and then trusting only in God's deliverer to make us holy. And we have been stripping away all these other things you can trust in as we've gone through Establish 101 thus far. I mean, we've talked of, you can lean on pastors and priests and confession and giving and good deeds and uh, you name it, right? But trusting only in God's deliverer to make, a, make us holy. Um, so... This rescue requires godly repentance because it's godly repentance that leads to, the, to, to life, that leads to these things. Um, so it involves a change of mind, a change of heart about who God is, a change of mind and a change of heart about our sin our, and our ability to do anything about it, to meet God's holy standard. And turning, we often talk of this turning, right? This turning, excuse me, to go God's way. So in other words, it's a radical change, you guys in one's whole life, forsaking sin and running to God. 
Notice the, the primary message of, of what John had to say wasn't preaching about a bunch of religious rules and rites. He didn't tell them to do things like sacrifice a lamb. And this is, this is the way things had been for quite a bit of time now. But why didn't he say this? Why wasn't he preaching about a sacrificial lamb? Was it the sacrificial lamb that saved? No. No. Why, did, why was a sindet rope covered with a straw and the sindet rope wasn't untied, so to speak, and made perfectly clean? It's just a covering. That's right. A covering. There was a forbearance. There was a provision provided by God through that system. Things still needed to be judged. There still needed to be a life for a life. There, this was God's gracious act pointing up to this time in biblical history. And so he, um, the actual sacrifice, as we're saying here, isn't what saved in the Old Testament, um, even for the believers of that time. But it, but it was still even then. Faith and repentance in the coming deliverer, uh, not in themselves, but in faith, faith in God's plan for the deliverer to rescue them. So, an interesting thing to note is how God or John called people from the wilderness to repentance and not from in the temple. So there we have another sort of breakaway. Um, the temple was their place of of central worship. Um, so just interesting to see like what the the shift that is taking place here. God is continuing to set his scene for his son. Um, let's read Matthew 3, 5 to 10. Um, we'll have it here on the PowerPoint if you don't have the Bible with you. And could somebody read that for me, please? I didn't bring water out with me today, so I need to save a little bit of my voice. <laughs> People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of the Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Thank you, Judy. So, there's a lot said here. It tells us that many came, repented, baptized from Jerusalem, all Judea, the region of the Jordan, confessing their sins. There was repentance, was baptism. So these actions, their actions were revealing a change of heart. I mean, heart is what we say here today, but there was a, a significant change inside of them that took place. Um, sadly, though, many of these religious leaders were proud, standing off to the side, and they were refusing to repent, thinking it was, you know, because of their lineage, their dis being descendants of Abraham or following the, the rules. It, it was the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the scribes, the priests. That's what they thought kept them holy and on good terms with God. They thought God would accept them because of something they were doing, something inside of themselves. Basically, good works. And that's what often we overlap today, good works. If you believe in God. So in truth, they were actually self-righteous. They were judgmental. They didn't understand grace. They didn't understand true forgiveness. 
Does it, doesn't it sound like they're coming to God their own way? Yeah. Like Cain. Like those around Noah. These leaders piled more and more religious burdens on the people whom they were leading. So in Matthew 3.9, as Judy read with good energy there, I liked it. John openly called them a brood of vipers. And then later in Matthew 23, chapter 23, verse 27, Jesus himself calls them hypocrites. Straight up, hypocrites, explanation point. For you are like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside, but filled on the inside with dead people's bones and all sorts of impurity. You want to take over there, Craig? Sure. All right, so we're seeing this, this mix of response. And, and um, so it just, just, just glance back at uh, 5 and 6, there, verse 5 and 6. People went out um, from various places. They were confessing their sins. They were baptized by him in the Jordan River. So two things there, again, confessing their sin. Again, it's acknowledging their position before God or coming humbly that way. Um, and then being baptized. I mean, this is where we, where we, why we call John, John the Baptist, right? Um, where he gets that name from. And um, there are three important things to note here with, with John the Baptist and what was happening here. Um, they were confessing their sin to God. Um, they weren't confessing, you know, I mean, maybe that John was there, but their sin was against God, not against John. And, um, and they're there. Part of what is happening here with, with, with baptism is that they're proclaiming or they're, they're indicating that they're ready to give their, their full de devotion and obedience to, to God. Um, I mean, with the, the idea of this coming king, maybe that, you know, how they were, were, were thinking of that. I mean, baptism itself, um, does it forgive sins? The, the act, the, the, the ceremony, does, it, does, does baptism forgive sin? Yeah. No. <laughs> no, I mean, it, okay, it reveals the inward change, but, I mean, again, like water, it's not washing away their sin. Um, I mean, just like Brendan mentioned, like a substitute lamb. I mean, it was it was a temporary thing. I mean, that, again, that, that image of, I mean, where, where they would put their hand on the, on the, the head of the, of, the, of the sacrifice and the idea of putting their, their the idea of transferring their sin to the to the, the animal, and its life was taken, but it was temporary. Um, still life for a life, but it wasn't taking away their sin, uh, not happening yet. So, um, yeah, baptism, the, the, the religious act of that, um, or just treating it like it's just a religious act, is not taking away sin. Um, I mean, Ephesians 2 uh, 8 and 9 states that God rescues us by his free gift of salvation through it, through his grace applied through faith in Christ alone, uh, not by anything that we do. Again, baptism is not, the act of baptism cannot save us from sin or Satan or the lake of fire. Uh, Prince already mentioned that this, there's nothing that we can do to earn it. I um, mean, as sinners in Adam, we can do nothing to make ourselves acceptable by, or accepted by God. I mean, we go all, all the way back to Abel and Enoch, Noah. Abraham, they were accepted. I mean, I love how it's phrased there. Again, they, they walked with God. It was through faith in God. Hebrews um, gives us more insight into that. They were trusting in God, trusting his, his plan of becoming a deliverer, um, yet not the act of baptism. So,
So, so I mean, I, I, we bring this up because it's we want to, we don't want to um, be adding more to baptism than we should. Unfortunately, there there are some groups that do that, uh, where where baptism is almost like again the washing away of original sin, um, uh, and there's more to that than Scripture actually reveals for us. So, I mean, here's a question. If baptism doesn't take away our sins, I mean, they're, they're confessing their sin, baptized, then what's the purpose of baptism? What would you understand that to be? It's a sign of repentance and forgiveness, an outward sign. Outward sign, yeah. It can be uh, uh, a representing a shift from... Um, being involved with perhaps one group of people and choosing a different group of people or um, being going in one direction and choosing uh, a different direction, which is also the idea of baptism. Um, the people in Judea would have been quite familiar with baptism because there were baptisms that were happening mm -hmm. for various reasons, but Usually, the context was in regard to the uh, religious uh, aspect. It would be people who were Gentiles or non-Jews who would get baptized and to join Judaism, uh, uh, the, the Jewish faith. Yeah. And, and this may have been what made the Pharisees and Sadducees stand off to the side and not participate because they found it scandalous in a sense that John would be asking Jewish people to become baptized uh, because they felt as Jewish people they were good enough um, as long as they followed the ways that they said that Jewish people should go. Yeah, but there, 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 there is more of the cultural context. Um, yeah. I, I, and I think I understand that there's, it's not, it wasn't just for that, that the Gentiles becoming, you know, to choosing to follow Judaism, but that there is that, that aspect. You're right. It, it was a practice that was already happening. John didn't invent this new thing when he, when he was baptizing. It wasn't solely John who was doing the baptizing culturally. So, um, but I think as we've said, I mean, part of it was, it was an indication of, this is my choice. It's a declaration. It wasn't just between the individual and God. It was also a declaration to those around them, saying, this is what I'm doing. And here's part of this, um, again, the, the act of going under the water and coming back, back up. Um, it's letting people know, this is my, this is what I'm doing. And here it is, I mean, John is, is calling them to, to repent, you know, confess their sin, and the idea of going God's way. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a phrase that we're going to end up using probably quite quite a number of times in this in these lessons here. Choosing to go God's way, turning from sin. Um, I think we've already covered. You know, why, why can't man? You know, why can't we be good enough? You know, um, why can't a man do enough or be good enough to to have their sin forgiven? I think we've covered this quite well through these lessons, that all mankind are sinners against God and helplessly lost from their sin. Only God is holy. And uh, I think of the, the quicksand illustration from a couple of lessons ago. Again, if you're in the quicksand, 
Again, we, we need help from outside the quicksand. So like announce why the messengers come to, to prepare the way for the deliverer, for the new king. Um, so also in the, king, in the quicksand, you need something else. So remind me of that right uh, oily bottle illustration we used too. It's like every word, thought, and deed is tainted with sin. And so it's, uh, it's, it's this idea that you can't clean yourself up. You can't, you know, everything in a sense that you touch, figuratively speaking, is, uh, it, it's coming from a sinful place, you know? Yeah. I just want to add a little, a little side story to baptism there <clears throat> that I think we can pull into our context here. Um, there was a people group in Papua New Guinea when, like, it's a shared common concept in Papua New Guinea of bad blood, and I think that's actually around the world in certain places. But um, one of the practices with the, the, a lowland group in Papua New Guinea, when, they, when the men come of age, they would cut them a, a, a ton and so to release the bad blood that they got from their mom. Is, that's their belief. And, and they would bleed them like crazy. I mean, there was tons of people that would die this way. And then they would rub their, their, the lines in their back that they cut with dirt and mud from the river. And just like tropical bacteria is just like rampant. It's crazy. So you can only imagine how bad of a practice this was and how this was Satan oppressing them and deceiving them into something good. They thinking it was something good. But after they did that, then they would plunge them in the river to wash them clean and, and get rid of the last of the bad blood and raise them up again. What does this sound like? <laughs> if, if a missionary went in there and didn't spend time to get to know that this people group and their practices, their cultural practices, when they came time, when it came around time to baptize, I mean, the likelihood of them tagging it on to something that they think they've already done right is very high. And so bringing bring that to our context and we might not see people cutting themselves in that sense and washing themselves in a river or whatever uh and, and seeing an overlap of, or of at least appearance of similarity um, but we can still have a lot of stuff kind of below the surface of what what is hung up with baptism baptism can be a real trip up it can be a real place to blend beliefs and, and so i just kind of add that plug there for the importance of wherever God takes any of us, uh, of the of the value of knowing your audience, really, you know what I mean. Before you're teaching on something where you don't maybe know your audience, this is cross culture. I'm speaking especially. Yeah. Um, well, but even in our own culture, um, if, if you have a, a, a Catholic background, I mean, there, there's some in our the Indigenous Church in Prince Albert that that's their background. So for some of them, the idea of I was baptized as a child, <clears> and so. I'm saved, I'm a Christian, but they, they can use other Christian terms that we would normally use and it would sound good, but they're, they're basing it on the fact that they were baptized as a child. Um, it's sort of like you're, you're these religious leaders. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a child of Abraham, so I'm in. Yeah. I was baptized as a child, so I'm in. Um, so they use some other things. They use some other things, right? They use the, the, the commandments, the descendants. What, what, let's tie that into us today. What are things that we believe? Okay, let's, let's quit picking on baptism. We know that baptism doesn't save. What are things that we think are a little, maybe a little less obvious that we think might, might add a little value to our salvation today or in society? What do we think makes us good and righteous people or good and righteous before God? I'll throw that out there. 
I attend a good Baptist church. Haven't missed a Sunday. Probably the first one. <laughs> yeah. That can get into some people's thinking for sure. I you know, grew up in a Christian family. Yeah. What is I that? Give 10%. Yeah, I do all the right things. Yeah. I yeah. read the Bible. Yeah. Totally. I go to Christmas and Easter. Mm-hmm. I'd I say I'm woke. Politically, or something like that, would be um, something people would think. Like, I don't think it would be. I don't think they necessarily believe it would save them, but certainly puts them in a higher spiritual plane or something. I awoke. You said woke. Yeah, the whole idea is, you know, you're spiritually better than other people. Huh. Interesting. Being, like having some sort of spiritual experience that, uh, is that what you're referring to, Andrew? No, woke means that you're smarter and more intelligent and believe the right thing. Okay. Right? I've not heard that like that before. Interesting. Yeah, it's like your celebrities are woke now. It means that they support abortion and they, they you know, believe mostly progressive politics. Politics, so, so in their minds, they're more advanced than the rest of the Neanderthals. Yeah, they're woke and other people aren't. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. That's a good one to note, to take note of. <clears throat> so, I mean... It's like a technical term, woke. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, between church attendance and giving and being woke or whatever, woke... Um, what what do we do? What what are people to do with those with those when we look at what we have in our repentance and faith chart? Uh, where is it? Back here, a few, right there. What are we to do with it? Can we can we embrace the? Can we make it work together? No, reject it. Yeah, rejection. Mister Swoosh got it in. <laughs> we throw that. We crumple that paper. We toss it out. Exactly. So, uh, here we enter into part two. John baptizes Jesus, um, the Lamb of God, is what what, what we're going to hear him called here. So, we have the pictures here. You're still getting my pictures, right? Um, The far left one, we have John in the camel hair and the the leather waistband there. And then we have Jesus coming to him. Um, in the bottom, as a reminder, we've got this image of the substitute. And then on the far right, we have an image of John the Baptist actually baptizing Jesus. Um, so one day, John had been doing this for a while. He, while he was preaching and baptizing people, Jesus came. And Jesus was 30 years old. And, I, and you know, he's about six months younger than John the Baptist. And, and uh, he was just about to begin his public ministry. So if you go with me to the book of John... Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, first chapter of John, verse 29. <clears throat> Let's hear what Paul or John exclaims. <clears throat> John chapter 1, verse 29. 
no, I don't have it there. And it's also, of course, in the middle. <clears throat> so it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So, this is something new. This hasn't been said before, I don't think. What might the Israelites have thought when, upon first hearing this? He is, I mean, we have this, these artistic renditions of being surrounded by people there, John was. Um, we had read earlier that many were coming to the countryside to hear him. So many would have heard this. What, what maybe would have been some thoughts they bounce around in their minds when they heard that? Huh, someone come to take away the sins of the world? What? Uh, John, too many locusts, man. I, it's not a lamb. It's a, it's a, it's a guy coming down there. It's, uh... Yeah, this just looks like another dude. <clears throat> what do you guys think? Put yourself in their shoes there. I mean, you guys have been this sacrificial system your whole life. Now there's something that sounds, it's going to debunk all that. It's simply saying the lamb uh, would have stood out as opposed to the millions of lambs that had been sacrificed over the years. Um, and uh, as we talk about, uh, you know, the the blood of animals covering over sin, uh, this one, you know, takes that uh, to the ultimate next step where you can't go beyond it, just doesn't cover it. It takes away sin. That's right. And something very different about that. Yeah. Something extraordinary. It's not going to be just this like continual again and again. I mean, there uh, would there have been there some there who doubted this message? Like, what is John talking about? As Craig was alluding to, too many locusts. I, I'd be curious to know the ratio, and maybe that'll be one of my questions for heaven. Like, did most think like, oh, he's on to something here, or did most think this guy is a hippie? He is out to lunch. Too much of that green stuff. Yeah. Or, or some even wondering, hey, it takes away the sin of the world. Maybe I don't need to keep sacrificing, you know, more lambs or other, you know, all these other sacrifices. If here's the one who's going to take care of it for me, that'd be great. Yeah. I think um, bewilderment. Yeah. How's this? How's this going to play out? What's this going to look like? That's a human. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure this would have shocked them. Those who those who internalized that that statement. I mean, their, their traditional system of sacrifice provided this temporal covering for their sin. It never paid for them. It just brought it to mind, brought it to mind that they were sinners, right? Unable to do much about it. But now there's a promise of, as, as uh, Tony was saying, a, a taking away. So now John declaring that this man was the lamb, the lamb of God, who would take him away, this permanence. Man, I'm sure that would have shocked those who thought about it. So let's think about let's think about that term, Jesus, the Lamb of God. What does what all does that mean? What's tied up in that? Um, here we had God providing His Son. God was providing Himself an acceptable substitute. This wasn't coming from from people; they could not. And so, a hundred percent gracious provision from God. And then, as we said, God coming to be their perfect sacrifice, He would fully pay for sin and satisfy. God's wrath and anger. 
There wasn't going to be any sweeping under the rug here. There was going to be perfect justice in God's holiness. And then because this, this Lamb of God, Jesus, was God, and yet man too, he will see this going forward. He was perfect. He was sinless. He was spotless. That he was that substitute who would die not for his own sins, but for the sins of others. Was Jesus' complete rescue only going to be offered to the Jews? No. No. All the peoples of the earth, from the beginning of time and into the future. We hear in, in John 1.29, the world. That's not just saying the Jews, it's saying the world. <clears throat> and of course, we're not talking about an automatic trans- transaction here, but, but this was being brought available. Uh, do you want to go forward into Jesus was baptized? Sure. So, I mean, John has declared this, so Jesus is coming. So let's go to, uh, to Matthew 3. Go back, you can have your hand there. And let's see what happens here. So, if someone could read just uh, 13 and 15, 13 to 15. And Matthew 3, 13 to 15. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. All right, so, so Jesus came to be baptized by John. Um, and we, you, know, you notice that John is, is refusing. You know, he's wanting to refuse. Like, no, I should be baptized by you. Because John, you know, he has the Holy Spirit. Um, and he's really, he knows who Jesus is and what's going on. But, I mean, Jesus is saying, we need to do this. Now, Here's an interesting question um, from John's message of repent, you know, confess sin, repent. Um, was Jesus being baptized because he needed to repent of his sin? Impossible. <laughs> impossible. <laughs> Why is it impossible? He was yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's more than wolf, but yeah, he has no sin. He has no sin. He's fully God. He's perfect. That's right. He didn't need to be baptized um, to have his sin taken away. Um, but again, if you look at what Jesus or Jesus told John here, let's, let's do this now. It's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Um, I mean, what that fully means um i mean there, there's a bit of, of the cultural aspect of this as jesus was entering in he's, he's going to be beginning his public ministry um he would be recognized as, as a rabbi so the the idea of of him making again part of this declaration of and i mean there's an important part of what comes next here in the stories but again part of this outward sign it was both for for john and for the people Jesus is, is he's following after God the Father, um, dedicating, committing himself to that. So, I mean, and, and this is where Jesus is, is, you know, and he goes from here, he's beginning his public ministry. Uh-huh. And some of these things from what John declared, I mean, he, this, is, this is the Lamb of God. Um, again, this is, this is the messenger helping, to, it's foreshadowing what's going to happen with this, with this deliverer, this, this coming king. Um, 
Dylan's giving a hint. This isn't about a geopolitical king who's going to help take, you know, kick Rome out. There's something far more significant about this. Um, so, again, Jesus is baptized. So let's keep reading here in, in uh, verses 16 through 17. Matthew 3, 16 and 17. Some of you after his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my dearly loved Son, who brings me great joy. Yeah, I mean, so how did God declare his approval and support of, of Jesus? Imagine yourself being there. By the sign of the dove landing on him, yep. and then the voice coming from heaven. Yeah, I mean it's it's not. It doesn't say that you know just Jesus heard this voice, or it just was just for John and Jesus. I mean, here's this voice from heaven. Um, it's one of those things like we've seen a couple of times, you know, with, with Zachariah, and you know, not being able to speak, and then the, then the baby's born, and and um, John or you know, Zachariah can speak again. People are wondering, oh man, what's going on? You know, what's going to happen with this child? God is giving little glimpses and some, some very much some God signs of things that are happening here. Um, we had that with the birth of Jesus, what was happening, here, and it, now again with at this point with Jesus' baptism, God is just helping people to see that there is something special, something that God is doing, very much a God thing. That's happening here. Um, open the heavens. The dove came down. That's another um, prophecy. Where is that one? Um, the idea of the, of the spirit coming down. Isaiah 11, um, too. I mean, yeah, what that looked like, what that sounded like. Uh, to be there would have just, just been amazing. Um, and it would have had some wondering, what is God doing? Even declaring that he's the Lamb of God, takes away the sin. Some of them would have been wondering, who is this guy? Is this the Messiah? Is this the one? Um, so, yeah, we're, we're seeing these things. Yeah, here we go. The, the Isaiah 12, too, is where, uh, where the, the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. 11, too, right? yeah. yeah. Isaiah 11, too, yeah. And it says that this, the Spirit of God will rest on on the him, on, his, on the deliverer, the king. So... Yeah. Do you want to go into the, the next section there, Brent? Sure, yeah. So we're, we're continuing to see, we're not developing this idea of, of the Lamb of God being a sacrifice, but we're seeing this come into uh, fulfillment or, or, or development here. So the Deliverer King was the Lamb of God who would die as a sacrifice in order to satisfy God's requirement, required payment for the sins of mankind. Um, we will continue to kind of dig deeper into the meaning of that truth in coming lessons. Um, but let's just, let's just kind of in this overlap season, like see the Bible, we have a couple of transition strips, so to speak. There's a transition strip right here from the old system to the new system. We'll see a transition strip from how the Holy Spirit came and left and then dwelt. There's a transition strip there in 102, but that's way ahead. But right here, let me just talk about an illustration. If I had skin cancer, I wouldn't be happy if, if a doctor just set, put, put a bandage over the, over the lesion or, or the whatever it is uh, and sent me home. Would I? Would you? Nope. 
I mean, I would want them to, to get to the root of that. If, if this was a melanoma, you know, skin cancer, I would want him to like get the margins and go deep and do it once and get out of there, right? That it would all be cut out so that it wouldn't grow and kill me. Well, as we think of what we inherited from our great grandfather, Adam, um, we were born with, with this sin cancer. We were cut off from God. We were sinners against God and ruled by sin in all of life, relying on our abilities. We, we were ruled by shame and fear, pride, refusing to admit sin. Uh, that put us in, in, in Satan's camp, enemies with Satan, enemies of God. So then ruled by King Satan, who seeks to destroy uh, all of God's image bearers. And then we got this sin debt. Remember our ropes with a knot in them. And as we had the Ten Commandments, we just kept adding to the record as we sinned. So we have this massive sin debt against God and under his wrath. Our bodies are dying physically. We're spiritually dead. And the soul and spirit will go to the lake of fire forever under God's punishment justly. That's, that's, that's the cancer of sin that we inherit. Um, but with Jesus, he didn't, he didn't come just to put a religious band-aid on, on what separated us from God. Um, he came to deal with the root, right? He came to deal with that separation, our sin. And, and he himself would provide that lasting solution what do you guys think? Isn't that, isn't that a good thing? I mean, in a sense, the, the, you know, the, the sacrificial system, not that it was a band-aid, but there was a forbearance there that we talked of earlier, many lessons ago. But now he was going to, you know, the time had come to root this, this separation out to provide access to God. God's holiness demands that sin is paid in full. Uh, I think some people look at what Jesus was coming to do at this point and think, how can it just get, how can it just get let go? I mean, if anyone in the justice system was just let go, people would just realize justice wasn't served and that wouldn't go over well. But, and so we're going to see that, that how God's holiness, it still demands that, that the debts are paid in full. God knew we couldn't pay it. Like he, we can't rescue ourselves. We can't, you know, if we're drowning, we can't swim halfway to the life preserver and grab it. It's like he, he had to lasso us. And so here God was sending a son to lasso us, so to speak. And God knew that the animal sacrifices weren't adequate to, to deal with sin forever, past, present, and future. So he came to be our substitute, God himself. It's the only way sinners can be accepted. It's the only way. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, our society knows this and feels this, right? I mean, we know this, I mean, as, as those that study scripture and, I mean, we've been going through these lessons, but the world around us, they, although they may not understand it and use these kinds of words, they feel it and they know the consequence of sin. This fallen world we live in, the being under, you know, sin, shame, fear, anxiety, uh, seeing all this. And Brent just used that illustration of the band-aid over, over, you know, putting that over cancer. You know, it's not going to take care of it, right? So, as we think about our world around us and our society, what are some of the band-aids that our society depends on, rather than God, to deal with, you know, their sin and their guilt and those things? What are some of those things that uh, that are around us that people people turn to? Addictions. Addictions, yeah, yeah. And that can be everywhere from drugs and alcohol to ministry. 
And there's lots of things that can be addictive. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. Other things? Well, some people uh, even look to evolution that somehow we're going to evolve to the place where the you know you, even the trappings of religion won't be needed that's uh, you know we basically are evolving towards godhood ourselves yep. and and uh, and they even look at you know problems like we're having now that uh, oh these are necessary things because uh, usually it's a big crisis that uh, uh, becomes the next big uh, leap of evolution that will you know get to the to the that next level. Yep. Yep. Mm-hmm. People are hoping that kind of thing. Everything. Okay. Wrong. Sure. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Fine. <laughs> Everything from relationships or and a lot within the material world, um, money or the whole upgrade itis or whether it be career or yeah. I would yeah. say uh, trying to put off death as far as long as possible. Everybody's afraid to die and what might happen, but you know, push it, kick the can down the road as far as you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Science will find a way. Yeah. Science will find a way. Science has the answers, you know. I think a lot of it too is like ignorance, ignorance, bury my head, keep busy, don't stop to think about it. I think that's a, a band-aid, right? Like, you know there's problems in the world. Yeah, better to think about it. Or if I do think about it, I, I should stop thinking about that and I should think more positive thoughts. Um, think, think good things. That'll take care of it. Mm-hmm. A lot of self-help stuff is out there. I'm going to go on my backpacking trip to Europe and find myself. How many have heard that? <laughs> as long as you're taking Joey and the kids, well, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I'm going to do that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's lots of things. I mean, if we, if we kept thinking, we could get more specific. But, um, yeah, our, our world around us knows the pain of sin and the consequence of it. And unfortunately, none of these things give that real lasting hope or, or satisfaction or, or takes away the, 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 what, what sin does to us. I mean, it's part of that, like the, the sacrificial lamb, uh, again, there's some temporary, temporary covering. I mean, it had its purpose within the Jewish society and, and the, the, the law that God gave. But in the, in the long term, big picture, it hadn't taken away the sin, and so I mean we have we have um, as we have God's word and the truth, we can point to the real hope and and the real solution to to our sin problem, and not just put these band aids, not just hold these, these band aids there. Um, again, the sin, Satan, the lake of fire. There, there's there's truth. That brings us lasting, eternal freedom, and eternal life, and so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, even for us, I mean, 
mean, I'm a believer, but there's sometimes there, some of these things, some of these mandates can ring true even in my own life sometimes where I forget to be turning to God mm -hmm. and get distracted or believe lies that the enemy tosses at me. Yeah. So get that next big toy, whatever. Well, I mean, we're, we're still living in this world and some of those things still come at us. So, yeah. um, and again, even with that reality, we know that there, there's something more and thankfully that that comes in, in our, in our savior and our deliverer, Jesus. So yeah, let's go into the next, uh, next section here, Brent. All right. Part three. How you guys doing? Anyone need to do some jumping jacks? <laughs> I could throw you guys some of my weights. No. <laughs> All right. Make sure, making sure everyone's online with me still, figuratively, not just uh, virtually. <laughs> well, uh, are there are there any questions up to this point, or any any comments you want to make before we move on? Another um, bad that came to mind would be. Um, like self-sacrifice or even self-punishment. Hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Paying for it yourself in that way yeah, kind of thing. Get a quick question for you, Brett. At the beginning, you talked about being made in the image of God and having a mind to uh, know him. Was that uh, the words you used in, in uh, Sorry, I heard mind. Okay, uh, just a mind to know Christ, or to, sorry, made in him, his image was having a mind to know him and a heart to love him, was it? Yeah. And what was the third thing? A will. Oh, a will to cho choose him or serve him? Yeah, a will to choose him. Okay, great, thanks. No problem. I mean, I think that that's a very limited, limited definition. I think being made in the image of God is much, there's much more to that. We kind of just like render it down to just kind of that. Um, as I said, I touched on like this whole idea of creativity. I think actually the Bible Project guys, if you wanted to look at a video on the being made in the image of God, they do a good job of talking sort of about sort of these, these greater, not greater aspects, but a, a sort of a larger spectrum of how we're in his image. It's worthwhile watching. Brandon, as we've been teaching this, and we're starting to review and do some editing with the lessons, there's these other traits of the creativity that God's given us, different than other other creatures, and even I mean, how God shared, you know, initially the intent was to share the rule of this world, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a right. trait that God has that he's sharing. Dominion, um, yeah. So, um, again, all it's all been tainted by sin, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah, love, yeah. generosity, these kinds of things, graciousness. But yeah, tainted yeah, by sin. I guess I always imagined uh, that just the the way he built us for relationship, right? Like it's something that seems yeah. to be in his image too, like the Trinity there, and and us yes. having our time being isolated, right? Like it doesn't kind of. That's right. Yeah. No, really good. Thanks, Dave. When you're mentioning the the quicksand illustration that you know those who are in the quicksand can't help others in the quicksand get out, we need someone from outside the quicksand. Uh, one um, verse that kind of goes along with that idea of being utterly helpless is uh, Romans five verse six. In case someone might be wanting 
yeah, scripture to go along with that thought. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, I think, yeah. Yeah, you see just at the right time when you are still powerless. Yeah. Yeah. We can still say, we're sinking, brother. Grab the rope. You can still say that. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's keep rolling here. So our third part for tonight, Jesus triumphing over Satan's temptations. So immediately after Jesus was baptized, uh, he was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after Jesus fasted for 40 days, uh, the contest, uh, so to speak, of heaven begins. Um, so we have four images here. Uh, Jesus in the wilderness uh, for 40 days. Uh, we have Jesus there squatting down with stones to bread was a temptation uh, on top of the temple to jump down and uh, then angels ministering uh, to Jesus as you see uh, in the background there, Satan uh, fading away. Uh, so if you would go with me, Matthew chapter 4 verses 2 and 4. Let's read uh, the first temptation here. Matthew 4 verses 2 to 4. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So there you have it. First temptation. Turn the stones into bread. Yeah. Just ask for hunger. Yeah, so it was addressing Three. physical hunger. I mean... I imagine he was hungry. 40 days of fasting. Yeah. What else? What is that speaking to in that moment? You said physical hunger. A very real human need. Yeah, a real human need. Human experience to experience hunger and, and, and need food. So here Satan tempts him to turn the stones into bread, ask him to perform a miracle. Um, to test Jesus on who who would he trust? Would he would he trust God's timing on when this would all come to an end, or would he look to Satan to to and take that suggestion to step in and change things right there? I mean, J Jesus only followed his Father's will, his Father's bidding, not Satan's, not his own either. Uh, and we we hear that later in uh, in the Gospels, even more so. So although Jesus was God, he he submitted himself. As we read earlier, he did not, in, in Philippians, he did not esteem uh, um, God's position. He humbled himself uh, to the will of his Father, and God hadn't told him to end his fast and, and turn the stones to bread. So Jesus refused. Jesus, Jesus stood the temptation at this point. Um, then we get uh, Satan uh, in the third picture there. Um, to put, He was asking Jesus to put his Father to the test. Um, Let's read the next couple of verses there to, to see how the Bible puts it. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and said, If you're the Son of God, jump off. For the scriptures say, He will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands, so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Mm -hmm. Jesus responded, The scriptures also say, You must not test the Lord your God. Hmm. So there you have it. How Jesus, how Satan tempted Jesus the second time? Possessions and power. 
Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, not to exactly not, well, testing God at this point in time to not call upon him in this sense, right? To to test the Lord your God. Um, and Satan's quoting scripture against him, or not against him, but, but to, to deceive him, to try and trip him up, try to trip up the Son of God. He's saying, hey, do this. Let's prove that God would take care of you if you threw yourself down from the temple roof. What, how does, I mean, how did this verse here in, in 6, Satan's quoting scripture, what does this reveal about who Satan is and, and how he operates in temps? He's a deceiver because he's taking scripture, which is truth, but twisting it. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's a clever, clever deceiver and very deceitful, as you said, twisting the meaning of God's word towards his own means or his own ends, right? So... Imagine around as, as the angel of light so even though he's telling you something that is true it's not the truth yeah okay. seeking to kill and destroy staying true to who he is and, and jesus responds with god's word he i mean he is the word and he responds with god's word jesus knew knew god's promise of protection i mean he's the living word <laughs> it's like i wonder how much satan was limited in what he knew that jesus knew you know what i mean I, I, it's like really you're going to you're going to throw my book at me? Like <laughs> really? I mean, he didn't Jesus didn't need to prove prove God here. He knew God. He was he was one with the Father. And and Jesus as God wasn't tricked. God is so much greater than Satan. So so the third time, I think you your mind was jumping ahead on us there Judy a bit, but the third time there uh, the, that we'll read in the next couple of verses, verses 8 to 10 is Satan tempting Jesus to worship him. So Let's read those uh, two verses, 8 to 10. Next, the devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. I will give it all to you, he said, if you will kneel down and worship me. Get out of here, Satan, Jesus told him. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. So there you go. That, that's that part. The third temptation, put it in your own words, Judy. That was possessions and power and pride. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So Satan thought, yeah, you could have these, these earthly kingdoms, Jesus, if you bow down and worship me. I mean, give your head a shake, Satan. <laughs> Satan was lying that he would give Jesus all the kingdoms, wasn't he? Were they his to give? He, he was a liar. He, he's on God's leash. Uh, I mean, he, he's temporary, a temporary sort of limited ruler of this, of this sinful world, but he's on a leash controlled by sovereign God. Um, God is the ultimate, ultimate ruler, and nobody rules above him. If Jesus worships Satan, would he not be submitting himself to Satan? Yes. Yeah, and then he would be bound by him. But Jesus is God, and he is already absolute ruler of all, is he not? Haven't we seen that time and time again through the stories? Everything God says goes. His plans prevail. Evil cannot triumph. <clears throat> so Jesus' response to Satan, through each temptation, what was Jesus' key response? The Word says. The Word says. It is written. Yeah, he used God's Word. Scripture, the Bible. Straight up. It's to be an example to us. I mean, 
if God's own son, God himself, was using scripture to combat temptation, who are we to think anything different? But this all started in the garden when he deceived Eve, just the way he spoke to her, it was partial truth. Yeah. And so it all started right back there. His tricks are limited. He deceives, he twists. He's counterfeit, right? Just enough to take us off the path of righteousness. Mm -hmm. And we're just called to know the real deal so well that when there's a counterfeit, we just know it because we know the truth. Yeah. So you think about it, Jesus' command at the end there says, Away from me, Satan. This was spoken at the, with the same authority. I mean, we just read it like words on a page, whoop-de-doo, he resisted, awesome, amazing, that needed to be done, but, but think about it. This was the same voice that, that, that created Satan in the first place, that, that created the world, that created the heavens. This was the voice of the all-powerful, the all-knowing, holy, supreme God who made it all. And this is the one who will judge Satan on the last day and send them to hell forever. That was the same words, away from me, Satan. So as a result, Satan, Satan had to listen. He left. So he was, Jesus was tempted. You can boil it down to these three primary areas, provision, protection, and power. And really, that's, where we, that's what always allures us, right? I don't have enough food, money, clothing, whatever stuff. I'm not secure. Think of the think of the Babylonians, right? Or not the Babylonians, the Tower of Babel people. Let's make a name for ourselves. Let's let's not disperse. Cities provides protection and security. That was they wanted protection, and cities offer power, and and we want power. People are always trying to climb the the next the next rung on the ladder. Do you want to take the dig deeper, Craig? Sure. Um, all right. So. I mean, as we think about uh, Satan, I mean, Satan would have been, would have had some insight here as to who Jesus was, but, um, I mean, he understands who Jesus was, I mean, he understands, understands all of humanity, but what is Satan trying to do with, with Jesus here? What do you think? I mean, what, what is Satan hoping is going to happen? I think he's trying to keep him away from the cross. Because all of these things are things that Christ would accomplish. Uh, he would he would have his own kingdom. All of these things come would for him were to come through the cross, and and Satan's offering him this easy way to apparently get exactly what what the Father would give him uh, through the resurrection and, and glorification. So a bit of a shortcut? Is that, is that, is that what you're... I think that's, that's part of what's going on there, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, especially the kingdoms of the world thing, like the uh, counterparts in Luke. Um, it says, the devil took him up and revealed to him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And he says, you're, you know, because they are mine to give to anyone I please. Yeah, I will give it all to you if you'll worship me. And I, and I think... That uh, that aspect of time says, you know, 
I can give it to you now. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to wait uh, and stuff like that. You you can you can you, you can have it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you so, can have a people without going to the cross. Without going to the cross. Yeah, and I mean, yeah. there, there's speculation whether, whether Satan would have understood the the goal of the cross or not. Um, again, that's that's one of those doctrinal or theological kind of conversations you can get into. Um, whether Satan got that or not, but that Satan wanted Jesus to to worship him and sidetrack the, the you know, following God the Father, doing the Father's will. Um, absolutely. Yeah, and, because we we know it's the idea of the Satan just kind of like what you were saying there with it is speculation on whether he knew or not, but we also know that through Scripture that Satan knew of Scripture. We know he wasn't dumb. To, oh, to yeah. see, see you're not dumb and so he knew the promises he knew the prophecies and right from when he uh, tempted Adam and Eve uh, that there would be a deliverer of some sort and so yes it's a theological debate but you have this idea that he is very aware of scripture and a plan to defeat him and so the idea of his own demise this is kind of like a last ditch effort to, to thwart that to just um, he, he wants to come out on top and he knows that this is a very real way for him to to know he will be defeated once for all kind of thing. Absolutely. If, if he can get Jesus to be sidetracked, Jesus to yeah. sin, choose a path other than what God the Father has, has laid out, then, he, again, he, he, he diffuses whatever this deliverer is potentially going to do. Satan can, can take care of it. And so, and stop that plan from, from moving forward. So, now, in, in all of this, this, this is part of, the, again, the idea of, of Jesus being fully God, but fully human. I mean, this, this is one of those, those moments where we're seeing, where Satan is appealing um, more to his Jesus' humanness in this, right? Because that he's hungry, that physical side of things, that protection, and that, that, that lure of, of power and and status and and control and those things you know being the ruler of these kingdoms um and so jesus you know satan is trying to appeal to that side of of jesus again and that's part of this and we use that phrase you know this tension of god jesus being fully god fully man um and satan's hoping that he can he can get at that human side um i mean satan can't defeat god he already knows that so he, he's he's picking away and trying to find where are those 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 chinks those places where I can get in, and try and and sidetrack this deliverer from actually accomplishing what he's he's here to do. So um, now here's a question to you: like, Why did Jesus allow his enemy essentially to tempt him in this way? What do you think? That. Um, he would fully have the human experience, be able to sympathize with humans. I think it's part of it, yeah. And it seems that he went to the wilderness specifically for this match with yeah. Satan. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm not sure, but I think somewhere in Romans it talks about... Uh, Jesus being the second Adam, and uh, just like um, Satan tempted 
the first atom and you know the first atom failed and fell for it and stuff like that um jesus is this the second adam um and uh and i think hebrews says he was tempted in all ways as we are yet without sin and so it just uh where the first adam failed jesus was showing that no he was not going to fail yeah it's part of that associating with 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 humanity in that Mm. and again it's it's revealing because part of this the lamb of god being the the appropriate the adequate substitute and sacrifice um is this fully human fully man fully god and this is just again it's highlighting and showing us that that truth um how he's fully both in this spotless right yeah he's got it again it has to be a human sacrifice that that's gonna that take care of the human sin God's the only one that we can do that. So again, that's, I mean, we're getting our heads around that fully 100% God, 100% man doesn't add up for us in our math. Um, if you want to go totally logical that way. Um, but this is, this is one of those places where it's illustrated for us and how he's tempted and yet he still overcomes. Um, again, because he still is God, supreme, all-knowing, all-powerful, and he's completely adequate to be our sinless substitute and sacrifice to take care of our sin problem so you want to close it off your bread sure um so as we bring this kind of down down to our level um i mean each of us i'm sure we can attest to certain pains or hurts from our bondage to satan uh prior to salvation um and even warring since um i mean he tempts us to pursue these things of, of provision and protection and power um, you know, trying to deceive us similarly, you know, that this would give us the life we want. If only this, if only that. Um, so he, he tries to lie, strip away hope, help, wants us to live in fear. Um, he would have us believe that he's equal to God. And uh, take you guys back to this picture you haven't seen for a long time. Um, th- this battlefield, I don't know, Dave, you might have, might not have seen this. Uh, this was from one of our earlier lessons. But uh, so we have this big picture of the sword pointing down to the earth there. And then we have a little cutaway or whatever you call that, like a, a magnification of, uh, you know, God's sword is that big one. And there's Satan. You know, yes, he's on the earth, but that's his sword against God's tip there. And, and even that is an overstatement for how much power Satan has against God. <laughs> um, and the problem when we forget Im- this kind of an image is we can, we can actually treat Satan as more powerful than Jesus. Um, but God's word gives us hope uh, that, that Jesus, the Son of God, he's all-powerful and he's got to reign, like, um, yeah, he's got to reign over and on Satan. But how, how have you guys or, or people around you maybe given credit you know, to Satan as more powerful than Jesus? What are, what are ways that is maybe that's manifested in your life or those around you? Believers or not? I'm not saying that this is like a, a wholehearted devotion towards, you know, uh, Satan's ways, but just, you know, the, these times when we treat Satan as more powerful than Jesus. Yeah, as much as this, oh, go ahead, Judy. 
there's times that we give credit to Satan. We're battling him. We talk about those kind of things, but we don't talk about the power that God has and give credit to him and just say, oh, get out of our picture, Satan. God has all this power. We focus on that negative instead of focusing on the positive. Yeah, I think that's a bit of a glory. Like you're almost in a sense giving Satan glory in those instances. Yeah. Well, I think it's been popular throughout Christian history. Well, not popular, but it's popped up the idea that, you know, Jesus dying on the cross was a ransom paid to Satan. And that really it's Satan who owes, who is owed to because of our sin. You get a little tiny touch of that in Narnia, where in Narnia, where she has, the white witch has, she's the one who gets to, has a right to Edmund, right? Yeah. And it pops up, and it's apparently really common in certain charismatic circles now, the idea that a ransom is paid to Satan. He's the one who owns somehow that end of redemption. Interesting. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I know some in the charismatic, some friends there that, you know, it's the, you know, it's the demon around every corner kind of thing where you're giving him, he's more active than I think he really is sometimes. And I think more some of the charismatic settings where that's, they're almost giving him more, more power. I think he's more active than he really is. Yeah, he is active. I don't want to. I don't want to deny that. But I mean, it's a, it's a similar idea as the idea that when you go to hell, the person who reigns there is Satan. You know, when the person who reigns is God, which is much more terrifying. But that that's you know when you see the little cartoons, you get there and there's Satan with his his pitchfork, and he is the one who is gonna is going to punish. Yeah. 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 And that's awesome. It's the Mormons or Jehovah witnesses, but they, uh, uh, see, uh, Satan and Jesus as brothers. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and kind of the, you know, the idea of the, equal opposite you know uh you know if a lie is the uh the opposite of a true of truth they think satan is the opposite of god yes satan opposes god but he's not the equal opposite of god no uh, yeah. he's certainly not in power it's that it doesn't even come close that's right yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, and I, I think you, you, you just use the phrase or the lies that um i mean the enemy tosses lies at us whether we recognize it or not sometimes, you know, yeah. how he wants to discourage us, distract us, put us down, again, feel condemnation. Mm-hmm. There's, there's ways that, again, and then when we, when we, we listen to those things that, um, and, and we forget the truth that we have in God's word again, who we are, um, that we're, we're giving him essentially more, more power in our lives than he, he really is, is due. 
Yeah. Um, it's, again, it's not, not as big as some of these, these doctrinal or theological things. It's, it's very practical, some day-to-day moments sometimes where we, we give him a, 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 you know, that foothold or that little place that he doesn't, he doesn't deserve in our lives. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like, do sometimes we even recognize those, those temptations that, that are get thrown at us from, again, regarding provision, protection and power. I mean, even, especially in these days, I talked about a lot, you know, from, from jobs, job security, people losing their jobs. Is there enough resource or money or, or things and protection? Um, it's, yeah, I mean, there's, there's these, these lies and these questions. And it's, sometimes it's, it's not the big things, big theological doctrinal things. It's often in the day-to-day stuff, anxiety, worry, mm-hmm. um, how we view ourselves, that, where the enemy just comes away again, he's picking away at us sometimes, that uh, to try and get our, our eyes off of God and let him have more place than he really should. Yeah. Yeah, I think... Thing I've observed working in retail, um, and it's just the very big days, how the selfishness of people comes out in um, the hoarding of toilet paper, um, masks, gloves, soap, you name it, and then hearing about hospitals that are running out of protective gear, and um, also people coming who do not have enough, or who truly do need toilet paper but can't get any, and they're buying Kleenex or paper towel, those Mm -hmm. types of things. Yeah. I think as we stand on the truth of God, as we think biblically, we can bring all this stuff back to its proper place, not saying Satan doesn't exist, not saying Satan doesn't have power, but the best way to overcome Satan's lies and temptation is to do exactly what Jesus did, is, is to know the truth, to use the truth. It is written, right? Um, hold on to the truth. Live the truth. You know, there's, there's always like the, I know it, but I don't apply it, um, or I know it and I'm choosing not to apply it. Uh, or I don't know it. So know it. Be in the Word. Um, know Jesus, who is the living Word, as it says in John 1. Um, and it's not only to resist lies and temptation, it's also to, to dodge the discouragement and condemnation that, that Satan wants to dart our way, right? Um, it's thinking biblically. That's how I like to just always say it. Thinking biblically. Knowing the truth, holding on to the truth, living the truth. Yeah. And sometimes that can be um, uh, a very nice statement to make. But as we're going through our day and we're feeling some of those things, it's not always easy. I mean, in our own household, even this morning, we, we have our, we read some scripture together. I've got, you know, three, three girls. She's just, she's no longer a teenager. She just turned 20. But, uh, you know, we're, we're talking with some of these things and days are hard sometimes. And it's like, how do we, encourage one another mm-hmm. to do that. I mean, there's a, the, the passage, you know, let's spur one another on. Because um, even to say those statements, Brent, you know, you know this, and it's, we can almost put more guilt on ourselves when I don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and our enemy loves to jump on us then too. Hey, you didn't do it again. So, ah, you're <laughs> For sure. But yeah. even, even as, as believers, how we can encourage one another in that. I mean, we're trying to do that through, like today, we're trying to just say positive things or, or remind each other um, of, of these truths so that we can we can live in it mm-hmm. um, and help each other to do that. Yeah, living is part of the body. Yeah. For sure.
one of the things we say is those little white lies, they don't hurt anything. <laughs> A little white lie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Downplaying sin. Oxymoron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I think as I look at kind of our discussion wrap-up points, I don't think any of you guys, it doesn't seem like you've struggled with any of these thoughts here of, you know, the purpose of baptism. Does it take away our sin? No, we, we seem to all be unanimously right there with it. Um, it's just purely a declaration of, of a heart transformation, you know, the mind as well. Um, we know that there's only one thing <clears throat> that makes us righteous before God, right? Coming God's way by faith in the, in the deliverer, Jesus Christ. Um, do we recognize when temptations are thrown our way, you know, the, of provision, protection, and power? I mean, he always tries to, to cover it up. I think Satan tries to, but, but I think even just hearing it that way, protection, provision, power, you think back to the Tower of Babel, they wanted those things. They wanted the city, they wanted glory and security with the city, and it made a name for themselves. That's all those things. So I, in a sense, if we can retain a bit of that thought, then we should probably be able to strip away any temptation that comes our way um, that Satan's trying to deceive us with and call it out. Um, we talked a bit about Satan being, you know, how we can treat him more powerfully. Yes, he's there, but, uh, but it's Christ that, that rules on the throne and, uh, and just keep that picture here in mind that we have still on the, on the PowerPoint. And let's encourage each other. We, we, like Craig said, like, it's not just uh, try harder, jump higher, try harder, or whatever. Read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll be good to go. But it's, it's also being part of, the bo- part of the body. And in this season of life, it's a little trickier for us, eh? Like, we're, we've got technology, but uh, it's easier to kind of brush it off, you know? And um, we can kind of let our days run away before touching base with somebody, but... Let's try to be intentional, even, you know, even our group right now with each other to, to touch base. You know, I think uh, we got, we got some singles with us and, uh, and, uh, we gotta, we gotta take that extra effort. I think right now to be the body of Christ, <laughs> to encourage each other of the truths that we keep thinking biblically, right? When we're feeling like, even like, you know, you're sharing Craig around the table today <clears throat> with your kids. Well, today, even myself, like, and yesterday there was like, I know that what I know what I need to say and what I should think, and I don't really care right now. You know, there was yesterday I had lineup after lineup, and it's like I know I need to be patient. I know there's a lot of people that are trying to be patient too, um, but you get those times of being worn down. We need to encourage each other, spurring each other on, like you said. Um, <clears throat> so, in conclusion, we we've heard how John the Baptist came to prepare the way. He baptized Jesus. Um, and, and, and John's message is the same one for us today. Repent and believe, you know, repentance and faith. And so Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That offer is for us. And we want to be bearers of this news, right? With our circles of influence, um, which has probably shrunk a lot these days. But one day it will increase again too. <laughs> so let's be intentional with, with being uh, generous with, with telling people that message. And um, we've seen... Uh, a few times more and and there's really good stuff actually in answers in genesis if you want to dive in further of jesus being fully god fully man i was checking that out uh, earlier today it's really interesting um just answers in genesis uh jesus fully god fully man a lot of references there that are that if you have time on your hands 
But we saw, you know, him growing up, that was very physical. He experienced hunger, speaking to his humanity there. Um, and yet, with the temptations, he lived sin, sinlessly, um, sin-free, triumphing over Satan's temptations. Um, so he's proven to us. His track record, you guys, it, God's track record is consistent. It's 100% reliable. He's proven he's a trustworthy rescuer. He's always done what he said he would do. He is faithful when we're not faithful even. Um, and so he, he will be the deliverer who's acceptable, who's perfect, who's spotless, that, that the prophets have pointed to and talked about throughout the Old Testament all the way up till now. And, and so this brings us, you know, if, when you guys are teaching this, if any of you guys do teach, establish, or, or this, you know, go through it chronologically such as this way, you know, you can offer to the people, this brings us to a choice. You know, that the same choice that John the Baptist gave is our choice today as well. Um, and so, I mean, a lot of us here, we can just continue to say, you know, Lord, there's aspects I haven't surrendered to you. There, there's things where I have usurped um, my thinking over yours, and we can surrender those things in repentance. Is it uh, 1 John 1, 9, where it talks of repentance to the believer, to restore relationship, to continue on with God in, in good fellowship. So he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, it says, as we confess them. So let's walk forward humbly this week, you guys. Let, let's be trusting God's, God's plan and path for us, even in this season of COVID-19. Um, he offers forgiveness for, for sins past, present, and, and, and future, not just a covering, but a substitute. So that wraps us up. We have our hook. Jesus is fully God and fully man. And uh, we had those other truths embedded here. Was there anything else that stood out to you guys that, that you want to share uh, before we wrap up? Any other um, nuggets you're taking away? All right, Craig, we did a good job. <laughs> Still awake, I think. Yeah. We got it all. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> This is one of those lessons. I mean, there's quite a few lessons as we as we go through this 101. Like we're just scratching the surface a little bit on some of these things from from baptism. That's right. right as you mentioned, you know, fully fully God, fully man. These are these are studies you can do in and of themselves. Yeah. But we're just trying to kingdom of heaven things and um, yeah. So. I think that's always a challenge in teaching and going through the, the word in a foundational manner. It's like if you were to dump it all right away, you're gonna people are gonna walk away. They're just it's gonna be so much mental like information overload. It's always the challenge I find. Even Craig and I were talking about this earlier today. It's like how do you sort of in a sense hike up your skirt so you can keep kind of you know laying gospel clarity and then build from that going up once you've laid that first layer of cinder block so to speak, right? Uh, and that's that we found that actually quite challenging this lesson um, because there is so much in it. Um, but that's okay. There, there's a system in place here, and uh, we'll continue forward. Um, uh, and there, there's the openness that as as we go along, we, we had this with our group in Prince Albert. I mean, if there's a, a certain topic that we need to dig in more, we often have those conversations, you know, other times during the week, questions about things and stuff. So, and just to be clear, I don't think well, I can't speak for Brent, but I'm not wearing a skirt. But just okay, I can. <laughs> that's my I'm Mick Risto to you guys. <laughs> Scottish background, like okay. no, the kilt. No, just kidding. <laughs> um, well, I, that faith mind in regard to the uh, the temptations and, and so on, and how did you put it? Uh, 
in the area of provision, protection, and power. Um, and then I think Judy said possessions and pride. Uh, it's, it's in 1 John 2, starting at verse 15. It says, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. And this world is fading away along with everything uh, that people crave. But anyone who does what, the, what pleases God will live forever. Uh, I think in verse 16, uh, some of the more common uh, translations have the idea of uh, the lust of the uh, flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. It just kind of came to my mind as something related to what we were talking about today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that fits in there very well. I also like the, um, I did, uh, heard at one point in time, uh, just the idea of the temptation of Jesus. And yes, uh, being fully man and fully God, it was the fully man part that Satan was trying to get under. Uh, but the, the idea of the temptation of Jesus makes it kind of sound like what Jesus was tempted. And so I love the distinction of the idea of like Saint, Satan could tempt Jesus, but Jesus himself was never tempted. And and then it's clear through the other passages of Scripture and says if you even uh, look at a woman with lustful thoughts, you've already committed adultery. And so it's the idea it's not just an action, it's with the mind. So when Satan offered him to change the stone into bread, Jesus didn't have to think about it. It wasn't even a thought for him. There was no temptation for him. And so I, I always like that distinction because you can sometimes get just from reading the, the subtitle that we've added on to that portion of Scripture of, oh, Jesus was tempted. It's like, well, no, he himself has never been tempted, even though Satan was the one tempting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Interesting, yeah. Anything else to add, you guys? This is a good discussion. I don't want to cut any of this short. We can, uh, does somebody want to close us time, our time in prayer? And then as you need to leave, just feel free to hang up and uh, I'll just stay here till I'm all alone. <laughs> Who wants to pray? I will.